Welcome to House Party, a podcast where real estate, news, and pop culture collide, coming straight to you from the editors of Realtor.com. I'm Natalie Way. And I'm Rachel Stoltz. And welcome back. Hello, hello. We both love the show Shit's Creek. It's one of the shows that you were introduced to during quarantine yes. uh, or, or during this, this year, during the pandemic. Um, I watched it before the yeah. pandemic before 2020 um but i recently did a little binge because the sixth season came out on netflix officially and it, it was the sixth and final season wrapped it up viewers or sorry viewers listeners if you have not watched Shit's creek it is so cute it is the pick me up that we all need right now i cannot advocate for it enough Obviously, the uh, tastemakers at the Emmys felt similarly because it uh, won a record number of awards at the Emmys this season. It swept every single comedy category, I believe. I was so glad to see it win because it hasn't in the past. Um, And obviously, like I haven't been a Schitt's Creek fan this whole time. I just caught on um, this year, but it's so great. I mean, I guess we can give a little just a synopsis. Um, The plot is that this family, the Roses, there's um, the father, John, the the mother, Moira, the son, David, and the daughter, Alexis. They're an extremely wealthy family. They lose all their money, um, and they find out that they own a town um, in, it's called Schitt's Creek. And I'm assuming they're in, because it's shot in Canada. I'm assuming it's in Canada. Um, Yeah, they bought this town as a joke, like, and now it's like the only place that they can go. So they move into this this motel, and that's the the primary location for all six seasons of the show. Yeah, a lot takes place in the motel, and so we recently discovered that uh, the motel, the actual place where they shot all these scenes, is going up for sale. It's in Canada. Um, it's uh, what's the city called? It's in Orangeville, um, Orangeville, Ontario, Orangeville, which yeah. is about 50, uh, 54 miles northwest of downtown Toronto. Um, and it's just a standard motel, you know, um, eight apartment style rooms. We don't know the price. Uh, the sell the, the owner has not released the price yet. The owner about apparently is really uh capitalizing on the the media frenzy right now and is just told that he's about to put it on the real estate market so we don't have Mm -hmm. a whole lot of details and we're totally playing into his hand right now talking about it but um I love it yeah we're waiting with bated breath to see like when he puts it on um but this this motel has a really interesting history uh Rachel I didn't know anything about the history of this motel until I read the story that's on our site but um you just informed me that it has uh (laughs) it's been used in other other fashions before yeah the owner uh is apparently the president of the athlete institute basketball academy in orangeville prep um and he bought the property in 2011 as a home for basketball recruits i guess like some famous basketball players had stayed there before they went on to play in the nba uh aside from that it was also the site of um the filming location of several movies and tv shows uh 2005 movie a history of violence was filmed there 
the miniseries 112263 and the Umbrella Academy were also filmed there. And I actually remember the scenes from the Umbrella Academy being filmed there. So, um, oh, and I almost forgot one. <laughs> it was supposed to have been a party spot uh, during the 1960s, whatever quote unquote party spot means. <laughs> Um, well it's the 1960s so you take your guess yeah 1960s Canada who knows I absolutely like I would love to go stay wouldn't you I would for sure um did you okay so I was I because in the show David opens an apothecary in town Mm -hmm. that's he opens like the cutest general store apothecary and right. so naturally, I was online being like, where can I buy Shit's Creek like lotions and like skincare and hair care products? Um, and I guess this one company uh, did like a licensing deal with them and they did create some Rose Apothecary products yeah. uh, and they actually converted their their storefront into a Rose Apothecary uh, storefront. So I think I read that, too. And this isn't in the same town where this motel is. I'm not sure if it's in the same town, um, but I would also like to visit the Rose Apothecary. I hope it <laughs> that, is in the same, or at least nearby. I really feel like that's a it's a marketing opportunity for them to um, make over the like some sort of business into a Rose Apothecary, and then like make over a diner into the uh, yeah, what is it, Cafe, Cafe Tropical. Tropical. Yeah, it would be it would be really amazing. I mean, feel like it would be a huge tourist destination. But yeah. Anyway, so um, we're obsessed with Schitt's Creek, and this story really tickled us. And uh, yeah, hopefully you're a Schitt's Creek fan, or you will become a Schitt's Creek fan. It is fantastic. All right, so here's the deal. Halloween is coming up. Mm-hmm. But my favorite holiday. It is my favorite holiday, too. Mm. But a lot of people, I hear, are skipping quite ahead to Christmas. Mm. I have friends. I don't know about you, Natalie, but I have friends who are planning on putting up their Christmas tree this month. I- and Christmas lights, because they just want something pretty to look at and I believe mm-hmm. my personal belief is subconsciously they want to kind of speed the year ahead and like get it over with okay. but I have heard now of that's many not gonna people, happen <laughs> well I know you can't <laughs> change not a thing. time I understand <laughs> I understand that you cannot um change the uh what is it the space-time continuum Mm-mm. but mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of people are just at least I've read that a lot of people are just looking to kind of zoom ahead and um go ahead and put up things that make them feel happy and for a lot of people that's a Christmas tree I get that argument <laughs> I so so I don't know if I want to go there with my opinions on this but um you think it's stupid I'll just go there. Uh, yeah. No, what? I, I mean, I understand. Okay. If if you're like a Christmas person and like the sight of a Christmas tree makes you so gleeful and it gives you something to wake up, get out of bed in the morning for like, okay, fine. Like we're all doing our best and maybe that's the little thing that you need for your mental health. Fine. Um, I don't know. It just, it feels like leaving up, it feels like leaving up your Christmas lights until like April. 
All right. Well, but, I, I mean, like so this begs the question. When is the appropriate time, A, to put up Christmas tree slash decorations? The when day it, after Thanksgiving. Okay. You, full stop. Like, full stop. Okay. <laughs> when should you absolutely have them down? The first week of January. Full stop. Oh, all right. Call she's me. Very, call she's me. very black and white about this, folks. <laughs> call me strict. Call me what you want. Email me, podcast.realtor.com. <laughs> this is how I feel. This is how I live my life. And, um, you know, to each their own. I appreciate it. I, I, I like the rules. I like the, the strict guidance. Um, some people are already decorating, but those with small spaces are apparently decorating with half Christmas trees. What? Wait, half like how like chopping off a like tree halfway. literally in half like if you if you chopped a tree in half and then put it against the wall so that you don't have to decorate oh the back. like a cross section are you talking about I don't know what that means so you're you're I mean you're that chop, you don't have you're to chopping decorate the it, back you're chopping a tree hamburger excuse me you're chopping a tree hot dog style instead of hamburger style you're not chopping it midway through its trunk. Right? What? Okay. If you have a six-foot tree, you're not chopping it so it's a three-foot tree. Oh, oh, oh. No. No. Okay. Lengthwise. Because that's what a half Christmas tree is to me. Length- <laughs> lengthwise, or as Natalie says, hot dog style. <laughs> I was probably just like, hot dog style. You're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Lengthwise so that like you don't have to decorate the back. That's what people are doing. I understand. Okay. So you, okay. So then you're, and you'd like you're put it up it. against a wall so that you don't have to worry about the back and you just have the front and the pretty lights and stuff. So it takes up the, less space. Is that what it's for? Yeah. Like if you have a small space or you just don't feel like decorating the back or you don't have that many ornaments or whatever, <laughs> whatever is your, your situation. <laughs> Wait, how does one cut a tree like that? Well, you can buy them, I think, half cut. Where? Who's selling them? If it, Where did just, you see this? <laughs> One of our coworkers shared it this week. It's a, uh, a tree from, I don't even know how to say this. It's probably a German company. Hamacher Schlemmer? Hamaka Schlemmer. Hamaka Schlemmer. Yep. It's called the Against the Wall Christmas Tree. And I you see. can buy it for $250, <laughs> Wait. which seems like the price of a full Christmas tree, if you ask me. Like, maybe you should cut the price in half, too. That's highway robbery. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm looking this at the store picture. where we found this. It's from Dipley. They say, are you lazy? Same. <laughs> Listen, Christmas is kind of exhausting, and decorating Christmas tree definitely adds to that exhaustion. Let's not lie. So what can we do to cut down on all of that? A half Christmas tree, of course. <laughs> no. This thing looks crazy, and the fact that it costs $250 is... That's where they lost me. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, they lost me probably before that. It's worth <laughs> noting that this is a fake tree also. This is yes, not a real correct. tree. Someone commented, but the price, good gracious. And I, <laughs> Carrie Ann Atherton, I have to agree. I would agree. It's, uh, they call it a semi-round Christmas tree that rests against a wall for 250 
how stressed out have you been in your adult life about decorating the back of a tree though not very I, my I, point <laughs> I don't live amongst people who judge my tree decorating skills um maybe some people do though I know also maybe, you just ma- turn it to the back to like a corner that nobody's gonna see exactly yeah there are like easier solutions than chopping it in half and then charging people double for a half of a fake tree I mean I know fake trees actually can be kind of expensive because yeah for sure depending on how real the fake tree looks yeah and also I think people in their mind can rationalize it as like well we're only spending $250 one year and then think how many uses we'll get out of it um yeah but this is stupid it just seems like a really extreme solution to not that big of a problem I would agree. So I would say, hey, guys, I'm not um, totally opposed to you celebrating Christmas now, but I am opposed to you buying a half tree to do it. Wait, have your friends bought this tree? No. Lord, no. Okay. They have started putting up. I do have one friend who put up Christmas lights already, and but nobody has put up a tree yet, but they are discussing it. Okay. I think it might happen. I think it might happen before October ends. I love how we skipped right over Halloween to get to Christmas. Um, I really hope not because you and I love Halloween. We both do love Halloween. Are you... Okay, so you just moved uh, to LA, but you're in an apartment. So are you doing anything to celebrate? Um, I haven't decorated yet. I don't actually do a lot of Halloween decorating, which is weird, I know, for someone who loves Halloween. But uh, I think... We we don't have any like plans right now, and I don't think we will just because of COVID. Um, I don't know how my community is about trick or treating either, and also with COVID, I don't know like what the rules are, what is yeah. safe, what's not safe. So we did a story this week about um, how to do Halloween without getting or spreading COVID. Uh, I I know that you and I and many others don't want to see this holiday that we love just totally canceled. I mean, it's just, it's a delight to see the decorations and to watch the scary movies and to see mm-hmm. the little kids and their cute little costumes walking around neighborhoods. We obviously have to do it a little bit different this year. Um, but that doesn't mean that Halloween is totally canceled. Um, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So there are some creative ways. Uh, are you planning on giving out candy, Nat? If our community says we can, I think we will definitely have a bowl. Um, okay. There's not a ton of small children that live around us that I've seen, but maybe they'll emerge for the holiday. Okay. So let me tell you right now, the candy bowl, not a great idea. The candy bowl in which the children reach in with their hands. Correct. You don't want to leave a whole bowl of candy out just for kids to take whatever they want because that's not going to go well even in non-COVID years and they're Mm -hmm. also going to spread germs. So health experts do not recommend leaving candy in a bowl where many hands will come into contact with it. But an alternative is to put it in individually wrapped like gift bags and put it on a table outside your home. So each trick-or-treater can come by and just take one. So you just spread out those pieces of candy on a table or in individually wrapped goodie bags and uh, hope that each trick-or-treater just takes their their one and moves on their way. That makes sense. They've also um, 
<laughs> discussed, and I have not looked into the mechanics of this, but creating a candy chute where you would slide treats to trick or treaters <laughs> down a chute through 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 the chute <laughs> and out your open door, I suppose, to limit contact. And this is a sh- this is a contraption that you would make yourself. Yeah, I suppose. Out of okay, so get creative. Uh, yeah. cre- create a slide out of whatever materials you see fit. You could place just like, it. I don't know. Maybe like um, tape together a bunch of paper towel holders, or oh, okay. If you've had PVC pipe or something, and then you could just slide it down, so you don't actually really like that's open so the door funny and interact with the people. Wait, that's actually really smart. So you can like have your six foot or five foot long PVC pipe. Yeah. The kid knocks on the door and says trick or treat. And then you're like, hello. And you stick the pipe out. And you, put, little... you stick the thing, the hose out the door. <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> I mean, it's so sad that that's what has to happen. But it is really creative. I like it. Um, it's pretty creepy. But here we are. And then in like if you're trick or treating, you should obviously plan your route. Um, you know, maybe you zigzag across the street or you only do the houses on your street or you use chalk to basically set up zones around your house and tell people where to stay. Oh, like wait here while someone's yeah. at the door. Oh, that's smart. Okay. And then I think it's important to note that um and I, I, I feel like we all know this, but it is important to note that Halloween costume masks do not count as COVID mm. masks. So, oh yeah, I wonder. Okay, so if it, if someone's wearing a mask, are they gonna, are they supposed to wear a COVID mask over yes. their mask? Yes, unfortunately, you can't rely on a mask that's part of your costume to do the job. So I can see people completely neglecting that. <laughs> yes, I do feel like it's going to be a big problem. All right. Well, I hope that Halloween, I mean, it'll be weird this year, but I hope I get a few trick-or-treaters. That always makes me very happy. Do you get trick-or-treaters? Does your building partake? Uh, I don't know. This is the first year I've lived here. I doubt it. In my last building, I never got trick-or-treaters. Um, I would. I think it would be fun to get some, but yeah. that's apartment living. And um, for now, it's just sort of a fun, like spooky holiday that I enjoy watching scary movies. And yes, I haven't watched any like scary Halloween movies because it just doesn't feel like fall. Like it's, it's I'm in LA. It's like seventy five. Like, I know it's still eighty degrees in California, but it is fall. And here's one scary movie that you could live in real life. You want to know? Yeah. I know. Tell tell everybody. Silence of the Lambs. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. One of the greatest thrillers ever created. Um, the greatest. The house is for sale. Yeah. So and it and it and they filmed inside this house, right? Right. It's a 2,300 square foot home that Buffalo Bill lived in in Pennsylvania. Obviously. Mm didn't really live in it no murderer lived in it this is completely mm-hmm. fictional but they did film inside this house and it is now for sale so if you are very familiar with the movie and you can recall what the inside of buffalo bill's house looks like 
you would be like, this is kind of freaky. <laughs> like I'm in Buffalo. So I could see while it doesn't have the stigma of a murder or a kidnapping or and this like psycho person actually living there, um, it can still be kind of freaky if, if you're familiar with the movie. And they filmed, I, I will say that they did, they filmed the, um, the, it puts a lotion in the basket, like Kate, like, um, not cave. What was she in? A hole? Basement. Basement. Yeah. The whole thing. Well. That was all, fil- that was filmed on a soundstage. Uh, that wasn't filmed in this house. It places the lotion in the basket. The house itself is Victorian and it is, um, how do I say extremely historically accurate? I would say like, it, it's it's not not creepy inside. It's, it's kind been of, preserved. It's been it's preserved. kind of unnerving inside. It does actually really look like some of the scenes that you saw in the movie. Yeah, it's not like they just took this house and modernized the inside. Like there's weird wallpaper. Not weird. It's just very it's traditional. <laughs> Okay, it's. I would say it's weird. It's grandma wallpaper on the walls. Um, you know, lace curtains in the listing photos, which obviously I don't know. I I don't think these furnishings are going to convert with the house, so you can change all these things. Um, sure, but and maybe they maybe they kept it this way to attract you know, people to get some press. Yeah, to to draw it out. Oh, yeah, uh, to draw people out. What what's the city? Polyopolis, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Periopolis. Periopolis, Periopolis, Pennsylvania. I guess real estate in Periopolis isn't boom or isn't that expensive because uh, it's on the market for two hundred ninety eight thousand five hundred dollars. So, you know, if if you're looking to invest in a nice preserved Victorian and you live just outside of Pittsburgh, this could be your house. Um, and, you know, I could see it being a fun little project, modernizing it. Or you could maybe make it a little tourist destination. Yeah, and, rent it out on Airbnb. Yeah, be like, you can stay in Buffalo Bill's home. <laughs> Honestly, the more terrifying part of it is that it's four bedrooms and only one bathroom. Yeah, that always is, is scary. That would be a out. deal breaker for me, I think. Although there is, it's on a big lot. There's like almost two acres of land. Yeah, for all the bodies. Whoa. (laughs) Maybe. There's a pool. (laughs) For all the bodies. There's a nice pool. You love that. There is a nice pool, though. Well, hopefully whoever buys this does a good job and gets to restore this beautiful Victorian. We are going to move on to making moves. Let's talk about some updates. Updates to stories about homes that we've talked about in the past. Let's talk about the first home here. Um, Katy Perry's quote-unquote guest house. This is the house. Okay, she, she owned a home in Beverly Hills, and she bought a home very close to it for $7.5 million, and everyone was calling it her guest house because it was like a little bit smaller, Um and in the same, I think it was on the same street, was it? It was very nearby. Very close. Um, so she has actually put it back on the market. Uh, so she bought it for $7.5 million and she put it back on the market recently for just under $8 million, $7.95. And this makes sense because she and Orlando Bloom, her, ooh, are they married? yeah and they just had a baby 
Yeah, they just had a baby. Um, so they've been looking in Montecito in Santa Barbara to buy. So it makes sense why she feels the need to offload one of her L.A. homes. It's four bed, four and a half bath, four, uh, four, yeah, 4,000 square feet on just about an acre of land. It's a really beautiful property. Um, I doubt she will have much trouble selling this place just because... She's really not trying to make a huge profit. Uh, who knows if she even spent that much time in this house. So it's probably still in really good condition if she called it, if, if it was called her guest house. like That was the only thing I was going to say is I think at the time um, that she bought this, which is about two years ago, and I remember we talked about it on the podcast, we questioned why she was buying it in the first place. Yeah. So it's sort of like... We never really understood why she bought it. Now we don't really understand why she's selling it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's perfectly intact inside and nobody's even touched it. Who knows? Yeah, I feel like these are the same listing photos too. Like she's just, it, I might just chalk it up to like a rich person thing. <laughs> like It might be. And you wrote the story back in 2018 about her buying this. Uh, did I? Oh, I did. And look at that. You did. This guest house. So. Wow. Maybe that's why the listing uh, photos look familiar. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I wrote about other celebrities and their guest houses. Look at that. Well done, me. Um, You can see the story (laughs) on realtor.com slash news, or you can just Google realtor.com. Or go to the show notes. Yeah, the show notes. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, Realtor.com, Katy Perry, guest house. You'll find it there. Congratulations, Um, 2018, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to a little bit of investigative <laughs> work that Rachel did to uncover that. Well, I do feel like this has officially become the Bella Thorne podcast. It oh, is yeah. not, but we have been following this case very closely. We have our eyes on the Bella Thorne prize. The Bella Thorne magenta pink house is pending again. Damn. Um after being pending a couple months ago, then being taken um, off the market, being put back on the market at a price drop of a hundred thousand, it is now pending. So I mean, <laughs> good luck, good luck to spin a saga. The listing uh, price right now is two point three nine nine million. Uh, we don't know what the final price will be. But we Mm -hmm. will for sure let you know because we were on this like white on rice. And we also like so we'll see houses become pending. um, But we won't. We'll be like, oh, we'll just talk about it when it sells. It's fine. But this one, (laughs) every single time the status (laughs) changes, like something we feel the need to update everybody. Uh, Just I think just because we've gone on so long reporting on this house that it's. It's got a history for sure. We need to complete. Yeah. We need to complete the task. Um, And at some point, hopefully, maybe we can get in touch with uh, the listing agent for this home and talk about how they went about selling it, what the challenges were, and we will work on that for you. I want to know if their strategy was to present this, like we said, as you only need cosmetic updates. It's just paint. You can completely, you know whitewash the walls or do whatever and it's a perfectly good house um 
yeah, I'm curious what their strategy is with this one because it has totally. been on the market for a while. So doesn't seem to be an easy sell. But um, in any case, Bella Thorne, hopefully she is able to sell her house soon. And that's it for making moves. That's it, right? Do we have anything else? Any, any more updates? Okay. Well, that's it for making moves. That's all our moves for this week. Yeah, your update segment. You're welcome. All right. And we are going to move on to the last segment of each episode. It's called Winners and Losers. And we're going to start with our loser. Our loser is... (laughs) I was going to say what winners and... It's it's celebrity real estate. No, keep going. Sorry. Celebrities who had a good deal and who made a bad deal. We choose one one winner and one loser each week. Rachel, who's our loser? Our loser as a callback to just a couple segments ago, is Jodie Foster. Yes. Star of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, she is our loser just by a small margin. She recently sold her Spanish-style uh, home in Calabasas, California, for $200,000 less than she listed it for. That's mathematically, that is a loser. Mathematically, she's a loser. The home Mm -hmm. is gorgeous, though. I mean, you know I like a Spanish-style home. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that she came out too shabby. The home actually went into contract only two days after listing, though. So she didn't necessarily wait to get a better offer. Mm -hmm. Like, she was obviously eager to take that that offer that was $200,000 less. So make of that what you will. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and while, you know, yes, the architecture is absolutely gorgeous. I am seeing some, some rooms that could use a little refresh. Um, <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Looking at the kitchen, you know, the, the I like the master. Bit, like, I'm not saying I would buy it. I'm just saying it's like, it's like a fine place. No, yeah. I mean, gorgeous pool, beautiful backyard. Like, it's it's on uh, 0.34 acres. So, it's it's a huge property. Really nice. Right. Um, Apparently, so, yeah. she purchased the place in 2005 for $2.26 So, she still made a profit. Okay. Um, selling it for uh, 2.85. But... For our purposes, she is... Or sorry, I'm sorry. She sold it for 2.65. So yes, she made a profit, but she's still a loser because we had to choose a loser and she is our loser. Yes. Sorry, Jody. Okay. I, I think Jody Foster is fine. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to our winner and how appropriate. Our winner this week is LeBron James for buying a $36.8 million mansion. <laughs> Uh, he also just won the NBA championship with his team, the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James is a real estate winner, though, because he purchased this massive mansion, and it's actually his third mansion in Los Angeles. Um, this place, Catherine Hepburn lived there. It, it's it has like a bit of a historic pedigree, um, but the other homes that he owns. One is in two are in Brentwood. So the first one that he bought was in 2015 for 21 million. The second one he bought in 2017 for 23 million. And this one, 
we just found out he purchased it for $36.8 million. So my question is, why does he need that many? Because he's not doing like what Drake did in L.A., which is like buy the, the adjacent lot and then create this like super compound. It's like, no, there's they're all apart from each other so do you have any idea why he might have felt the need to purchase three huge mansions in the same just city? a weird a weird flex like oh, a weird rich person thing yeah i mean why do the kardashians buy like a million places i don't know that would yeah, be that's my like, true. I, I guess it would just be like a weird rich person flex is my yeah. guess and this place i can see like okay he probably has like a real estate agent that he works with or someone who like manages those things and they're like look this house just came up on the market it's a very historic place um actually let's let's look into this new place his new beverly hills compound so the mediterranean one it is yeah so it's super mediterranean it's located on a 2.5 acre property um it's extremely private And it has great views of downtown, the ocean, and the Santa Monica Mountains. Um, It was built in 1934. Like I said, it's Spanish-style Mediterranean. Uh, It has, excuse me, it has four bedrooms, eight bathrooms, and is almost 10,000 square feet. Very big. We actually spoke to an expert from Douglas Elliman, and she said, It makes great sense LeBron would add this Beverly Hills mansion just east off of his Brentwood home to his portfolio. This property has a lot of upside potential as well for someone as real estate savvy as LeBron. Uh, Maybe he'll check out one of the guest houses into a state-of-the-art indoor-outdoor gym like he did on his previous home. So I think the main thing here is that it's super private. It's it's a -a one-of-a-kind property in Beverly Hills, and uh, he had the opportunity to buy it. So he was like, I'm going to do this. And it's funny that this closed during the playoffs. Like, obviously, he doesn't, like, he has people to handle this. But I remember when the story Does broke. He, like, uh, okay, my question is, how do celebrities close on properties? Like, do you have people to do that for you? Or do you have to be there in person? Or do you use one of those remote services to do it? I'm assuming that you probably have to, they, they have to, like, physically sign the paperwork. Yeah, right? I would think so. You can't just, like, DocuSign that crap. Maybe you can docu-sign it. Um, you know, that seems really sketchy. I don't like that. LeBron was in the bubble, too, this whole time. So it's not like he could drive down to the Beverly Hills, Hilton and Highland offices and, like, sign this. Um, mm. I have so many questions. Okay. Yeah. So I don't – yeah. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I remember watching – the game like it was like game two or something and the news had come out that he bought this place and I was like okay good for you sir um (laughs) but like that's a lot to juggle is closing on a multi-million dollar estate while also playing in a national championship playoff game series they don't call him the king for nothing True. He can, he can handle so all maybe that. this is why he's our winner. Because <laughs> he can do everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of LeBron haters that are, you know, probably like, whatever. But I don't know. I think it's, 
I think what LeBron, especially during the playoffs, like he really was extremely vocal about the Black Lives Matter movement and the wrongful death of Breonna Taylor. And I just feel like he will give him this one. Good on you, LeBron. You're our winner for the week. Oh, I don't think you need to give him this. I think he he's earned it. He earned it. Yeah, for sure. All right, and that is it for House Party. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to check out any of the stories that we talked about today, you can go to your podcast app. We'll have all the stories linked in your show notes. You can also go to realtor.com slash news or go to Google. Type in realtor.com and the topic, and it should show up for you. Uh, If you would do us a solid and give us a five-star rating and write a review, That would be fantastic. We really appreciate um, all the support you guys give us. And we love reading what you have to say. So thank you. Thank you. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us. That will deliver episodes right to your phone or your laptop, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at podcast at realtor.com. That's singular podcast at realtor.com. Or you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at House Party Pod on all three. Yes, we, we are. would love to hear from you. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in, for pressing play, and thank we will you. catch you later. Bye, miss you. Bye, <laughs> miss you. Bye.